Hey up friends, how you doing? It's Matt. You're listening to episode 54 of the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening to this one and I hope you enjoy it as usual. I reckon you will as well because my guest this week is a surfer, father, rancher, director and Patagonia ambassador Keith Malloy who I welcomed onto the show during my recent visit to Newquay with my friends from Patagonia who invited me down there for the launch of their first European Warnwear tour and to chat to Keith while I was at it and a nice little jolly it was too. Now if you're a regular listener to the show or you follow me on social media you'll know that I've been chatting a lot recently about how I've been approached by brands who want to get more involved in the podcast, who want to sponsor certain episodes and so on. Now I'm going to explore this topic more thoroughly in the outro but yeah full disclosure for this one I decided to accept the invitation from Patagonia to head down to New Key because naturally I was pretty keen to speak to Keith, who's somebody that I've long had on the radar as a guest for the show. So who's Keith Malloy? Well, he's one third of the legendary Malloy brothers who've been involved in the scene since they were kids and have come to symbolise a particular type of adventurous exploratory surfing in which an elemental connection with nature is as important as the act of riding waves itself. Now, that's not to say that the brothers aren't absolute frothers, as I can uh, attest after being lucky enough to surf with Keith after our chat. But yeah, between them, the brothers have done just about everything there is to do in surfing, and Keith's career is a case in point. Now, I reckon you can broadly divide his surfing life into three parts, really. There's his 20s, which he spent on the tour, following the contest circuit and all that entails. Then, as he approached 30, Keith made an abrupt left turn, dropping out of that tour and reconnecting with those aforementioned surfing values. And it was a move that saw him embark upon a decade of wave chasing to some of the remotest, coldest climbs on the planet. It also coincided with the Malloys as a trio, moving to Patagonia to help the brand shape their entire surf category, something they've done ever since, and which has seen them drive the brand to their current position in the surf market. Now, as you'll hear Keith explain... That move was driven by the chance to be innovative and environmentally conscious and he's since then had a hand in almost every significant development by the brand in surfing. From the establishment of the warmwear concept, which was actually Keith and his wife Lauren's idea, to the launch of the brand's Ulex suits and the recent announcement that the full Patagonia wetsuit line will be fair trade certified. Now, as Keith settles into his fifth decade as a husband and father, life has changed once again. And in this conversation, we covered all this ground and plenty more. As I discovered, Keith and the brothers, what you might call autodidacts, happy to turn their hand to anything, self-taught and with the confidence to work it out as they go along. Now, it's a really lovely, ruminative episode, this. Me and Keith had a great chat, which I very much enjoyed. And I also enjoyed the surf that we had later on. Like I say, I'll be back later on with more uh, chit-chat. But in the meantime, here's my conversation with Keith Malloy on his new decade. Enjoy. Keith, how you doing? I'm good. Yeah, little, straight straight into town. Straight into town, little jet lagged, but uh, happy to be here. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> you've scored yourself quite an apartment here. We're, what we're overlooking Newquay Harbour, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it, I was blown away on how beautiful this spot is. Uh, Lucky Airbnb, by yeah. the sounds of it. It <laughs> yeah. D- doesn't always work out like this, particularly in this town. Right. Yeah. And uh, so you're over for a few days? We are, yep. We're just here for a few days. Um, um, h- hooking up with the Patagonia crew here and 
and I'm going to be going to the Warren Wear surf events, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about that, about what you're going to be doing with, with Warren Wear while you're over? Yeah. I mean, basically, um, we're going to, um, we're just going to get everybody together and talk to talk about the, um, the whole Warren Wear concept. Um, and and how it relates to surfing as well. Yeah. Because I mean, it basically relates to any clothing or or anything that you can fix that you can wear. Yeah. Um, and um, we'll we'll probably show a little film or two about worn wear and um, kind of just celebrate it and have a good time with everybody in town. Yeah. So where else are you going to be? Because there's a little tour going on, right? So are you are you just for this stop or are you checking in anywhere else? Yeah. So we're also going to Manchester. Ah, uh, my hometown. There yes is it all right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> classic surf spot nice nice and then we're going on to dublin to do an event there as well okay so i believe that's our three events i think so nice and so i'm right in thinking that you and lauren effectively came up with the the warm wear concept is that is that right yeah so it's true uh basically um my wife lauren is from new england north northeast yeah. of the united states which is really into their gear it's it cold up there yeah and they're in, into patagonia gear as well anyways lauren had had a, a jacket that she'd had since she was 13 years old and she still wore it and um worked perfectly and you know there was some passing of it around with her friends and family but she ended up with it anyways we started talking about that story of that jacket yeah. and how special it was to her. And then um, next thing you know, we were talking about, hey, we should we should start a little blog about used clothing and, and what it means to you. And, you know, can celebrate the repairs done on it and things like that. And the stories behind it. And the stories behind it. Yeah, which is one of the really great things about the concept, isn't it? Because I had a little look at some of the, the little stories in prep for chatting to you and yeah it's great isn't it because you can really see where people have um made them completely personal and related them to the experiences that they've had which was presumably the idea originally to try and uncover those stories right exactly i mean we all have those items of clothing that we just like have held on to forever and have some you know special journeys we've made in them or maybe we got them from our father or our brother and and um <clears throat> it's kind of it, in ways you wouldn't think that it would be that interesting, but people can relate to it and have similar stories. And um, and that, and when, when when we started the blog, it just had a really great um, reaction. People people wanted to tell their stories too, so it was pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, what I like about it, it's quite democratic, isn't it? You know, it's not about like doing the gnarliest trips, or you know, it's about those experiences that basically everybody as a love for the outdoors kind of shares whatever their kind of level if you like isn't it yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. exactly it's so have you got a piece that you you know that that would would fit the worn wear bill i do i mean <clears throat> one of the first pieces i got was um kind of one of the puff jackets and, and I, I mean i have a few different pieces definitely that fit in the worn wear category but um i mean it's just one of those it's like a hooded jacket that I've just had forever and it's the easiest to travel in and um it's pretty tattered now but uh if I look back on the one thing I've worn the most and had probably the best trips on it's that one it's kind of like a army green colored you know really it's it's that thing you can trust you know in, yeah in, in your bag when you're when, when you know um 
you, you're not sure what the temperatures are going to be. Um, it's that one piece for me that I can always trust will keep me warm and keep me cu- comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so is the, is the warm wear concept, is that kind of emblematic of the way that you've always worked with Patagonia? Like you've been able to come up with concepts and ideas and and have the freedom to explore them to the fullest? Because, you know, it's quite a nice thing, isn't it, that you were like, ah, oh, here's an idea, and now it's like this effectively one of the main marketing drives of the entire brand right like globally it's one of the things that people definitely know the brand for today right yeah i mean um i feel like my brothers and i we started at patagonia 14 years ago and the main reason we were brought in was for the surf side of things it was a big deal wasn't it at the time it was i mean i mean i think a lot of people hadn't heard of patagonia yeah didn't really have the presence back then in the surf area no and we had been so entrenched in the surf world for for decades almost and then all of a sudden i think when folks folks heard like oh the malloys are leaving to patagonia a lot of people are like what what's patagonia well you do if you do a a google which i've been doing last couple of days in prep for this you know, you stood the surfer magazine still come up. You know, it's like headlight, like Malloy's leave Hurley for Patagonia. You know, it was, a, it was big news, wasn't it? You know? I mean, this is how funny it is. When that headline came out, people thought we were moving to Chile to Patagonia. Right? Like, they didn't even know what Patagonia was because they didn't, couldn't make the connection. It was totally confusing to them. So, right. so I'm kind of proud of starting with it at that level and surfing and bringing it to where it's at. Where <clears throat> I think now it's a pretty respected brand and. And the reason why is because of the philosophy, you know, um, because the time we were leaving, you know, those other sponsors, the surf industry just didn't care whatsoever about the environment or having a actually even having like a product that lasted, you know. Um, so so back when we made that switch to Patagonia, we knew the philosophy Patagonia is have the best product and, ha- and be environmentally minded. So, I mean, that was a really exciting time for us. So that was important to you guys. Oh, yeah. You were, you were looking for that that kind of... Had you reached that point in your careers then, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get to, but this was chiming with where you, you guys wanted to be with you surfing personally as well? Yeah. I mean, we definitely were pretty disenchanted with the whole clothing and sponsorship and the way it was working in the surf world. I mean... Don't, I mean, we had a great run and we were very lucky to have the sponsors we had. But I think at that point we were thinking there was, could be a better way to do it all, you know? Yeah. Um, and we just lucked out because we we uh, connected with Patagonia, which for for me is was like the perfect company to, to be behind and like feel good about what you're doing. Yeah. Did it feel like a, a risk given that the offering at the time was pretty embryonic let's say you know, there's a lot of work to do let's put it that way it did feel like a risk because it was it was i mean patagonia had dabbled in surf before and kind of failed and um so it was definitely a risk and, and we actually we left our other sponsors that were more high paying sure you know to to, to take this risk so yeah. so um it was a risk, but when Christian and I talked about it together, we were like 100% all in, feeling like for the long term, this would be the best decision for us. Yeah, and did you, were you quite forthright in the in the way that you wanted to do it? Did you have a clear vision? Um, we were, I think the vision was just to be involved in every and any way possible, you know, from surfboard design to wetsuits to clothing um to 
to marketing to just the overall feel of the brand we, we just wanted to be as involved as we could i yeah. would say and have as much influence as we could i'm interested in what you were saying about being disenchanted with the the position you were at in surfing because obviously you'd been on the tour you'd had a you know conventionally if you like really successful career up to that point which presumably you'd spent your life working towards because you know it's no easy thing to achieve that what in particular was it that you were becoming disillusioned with so i think that it was a combination of things um one of them was i was competing non-stop you know just like on the world tour which um which which was a great test and something i'm glad i did but i'd i'd been doing it long enough where i felt like i was on the hamster wheel basically and kind of losing losing um losing the reasons why i why i started surfing which was far from competition i think that you start surfing for almost opposite reasons that you would compete because you want to be out in the ocean you want to be out in nature enjoying yourself and not worrying about anything and so basically at that same stage where i was um completely burnt out on the competitive surfing and non-stop competitions and traveling was also the times that my brothers and i were realizing that the companies we are working for kind of just had one goal in mind is to make money and um and you know and sell, sell shit and sell shit and, and then when and then obviously we were we were the ones we were the we were the puppets of that you know yeah and you know I, i'm not that bitter about it i mean how i'm saying talking about right now it sounds like i'm like bitter or something i'm not i mean we had well, we it's had, perspective isn't it yeah now, now you can probably look at it and 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 see it for what it is I'm yeah sure at the time it was probably less yeah. clear and in 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 the big picture of things i was lucky lucky son of a bitch to be getting to surf around the world and travel and all that but but at the same time i saw an opportunity to do it um in a little better way i think so that connection that you're talking about that you know you mentioned earlier like this reason you got into surfing was that there from the beginning or was that something that that you came to realize what it meant to you as you as you surf more yeah so so i mean it starting surfing it's just that very simple pleasure of enjoying the ocean and feeling the wave push you and have that feeling of you're almost flying and there's something about that 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 i think when you're doing that in the ocean it disconnects you from everything else and you really are in the moment yeah so i feel like that's that's the thing that attracted me as a kid um but but it it should really stick if you can keep it like that for you know that's what it's about it's about that it's about that experience in the ocean and being surrounded by this waves and um the power of the ocean and really being able to um be absorbed in that and just uh be in the moment yeah i was gonna say be absorbed in that in that moment in Mm -hmm. the the present basically in the present yeah so then so then yeah after and then, and then, yeah, competing and doing everything, that was a great, fun thing to do to test your ability. Like, I don't look back on competing and wish I didn't do that. Yeah. But then it just went full circle to where I felt like um, I needed to regroup a little bit and 
get back to basics and was the competition thing a bit of a natural progression given where you grew up surfing was it just one of those things that you did you know it was it, it kind of was in our area it was funny my brothers and i we lived half an hour out from the beach and we um we were a little behind and in the early days as far as the young surfers and the competitions and you know a lot of guys were riding thrusters and we were still riding single fins and we were kind of i think a little bit like oh there's a malloy boy hillbilly kooky malloy brothers (laughs) (laughs) on the single fins ahead of your time yeah 20 years too early yeah um and and then we and then in our teens we kind of caught up and then start you know we we realized we were surfing well and wanted to compete as well at that point um so in general yeah california there was plenty of surf competitions going yeah, on there's a culture that you yeah. could tap into yeah i remember yeah. though like the u.s championships were going on when i was like 14 or 15 in my hometown and we were like at the next beach over just camping and surfing yeah just because we were just not quite tuned into the whole thing yet right but my friends later on were like where were you that u.s championships i'm like oh we didn't even know about it we were just like at the next beach over surfing right right type of thing. so that was always again something that you 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 boys you know you linked it to that the experience as well yeah of like you know go to the beach camping right immersing yourself in the outdoors yes that was there from the beginning as well definitely my dad yeah would drop us off down at the beach and leave us with the cooler and uh in a a tent and come and check on us every day or stay with us at night when he could but we definitely yeah had a neat little experience of surfing that was much more than like pulling up in your car and putting on your suit and get back in your car and go away yeah um so was it your dad that got you into surfing originally it was my dad he was a surfer he uh he grew up surfing, but it was interesting because his dad wasn't a surfer and didn't really approve of it. And wanted my dad to play baseball and things, right? Which made it nice for us because my dad was a surfer. He understood it and really, um, he was just ha- happy to have us do it. He didn't push us into it or make us do it, but he enjoyed it, and we kind of tagged along and liked to do what he did. How did he get into it then? Because what I'm guessing, what's that, fifties? Um, so. I would say he was born in 47. Okay, so maybe like so like 50s. 60s were kind of his. Yeah, so that's <coughs> like the first kind of, yeah. did he get into it through the first sort of boom time then? Yeah. It's pretty early on, isn't it? Pretty Still early really. on, definitely. And so he grew up in Topanga Canyon, um, just on the edge of Los Angeles. <clears throat> but there's a, you know about Topanga Canyon? Not really. Okay, it's kind of like a beautiful I've never actually been to LA. Okay. Which is a huge. Good um, for you. <laughs> well, I've never been to California, which gotcha. is incredible, really, because you know, yeah. I've been surfing, skateboarding, and snowboarding my whole life. Wow. Um, it's one of those really strange things where I'm like, how odd that I've never been there. Right. You know? So I'm gonna, actually going to try and go in cool. uh, November this cool. year. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. It's well, the thing about <clears throat> LA and California is like, it is. Um, I mean, it's a crazy big city, but on the outskirts of it, it's actually beautiful. And then people don't know, but if you get to Central or California, it's just wide open and beautiful. Yeah. But anyways, the story going back to my dad is he grew up in Topanga Canyon, and it was um, his family had like a little ranch in that canyon, even though it's not that far out of L.A., still kind of an extra beautiful place. And at the bottom of Topanga Canyon, there's a wave 
called Topanga. Yeah. And it's a right hand point. Okay. So he, um, you know, being, being that that was at the bottom of his canyon, he saw some guys surfing and, and just got into it at a pretty young age. God, it sounds like <clears throat> the glory is. It was. I mean, there was no one out there. Yeah. That sounds like a great time to learn to surf. Yeah, to the point now where, like, he doesn't surf anymore because he's, like... Too crowded. Way too crowded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. He, he got us into it. So he was... And um, was he in... Um, culturally, was, was he, he was into, like, the anti-establishment side of it at all? Or did he just like the experience? Because I guess at the time... You know, you mentioned that his dad didn't like it. Right. So at that time, it was... Was, it, was that a thing for him? I think definitely that time, it was kind of like a little bit of an outsiders type of thing, surfing, you know? It wasn't... A, uh, a lot of people didn't really approve of it. Yeah. A lot of the kids doing it were troublemakers. Yeah, sure. It was an outlet, wasn't it, you know? Yeah, and he definitely ran with a group of troublemakers as right. a kid, and they got into trouble, and... He's got some good stories. Most of them he won't tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Sounds like I need to get him on here. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, so that was the influence. So when you boys got to the the age, you're like, you see your dad surfing. You're like, you want a bit of that? Because you've spoken a lot, you boys, about the influence of your, of your dad across all areas of, of your right. life, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he kind of just led the way, um, and we wanted to be like him. Um and um so yeah he was just a big influence on, on us you know everything that he liked we liked and uh and um when you're that age i guess it is i don't know we had one of those dads where he um yeah he we he he just had that effect on us where we just kind of wanted to do whatever he was doing he he worked a lot so we just got to hang with him on the weekends and that's when he'd usually take us surfing or fishing or or where whatever it was um uh, he just had that he had that um charisma for us as kids that yeah we just were like wanted to do what he did yeah yeah and he instilled this love of the outdoor lifestyle mm-hmm. in you then basically definitely the pursuits that you still exactly. kind of live by today for sure yeah so he sounds like a really strong character was it was has it ever been sort of difficult to live up to that um you know um in ways yes uh but he was he was very proud of us, and we kind of um, with the whole surf thing. Um, I think we all went beyond our expect- expectations a little, and he he was so supportive. Um, in in so far as the success that you achieved, yeah, right, right. And then as far as just as far as just a human as being, you know, living up to my dad. Um, I don't know. He he didn't he didn't give off that that like you have to do this or you have to be good at what you do or anything like that so he it was pretty easy to be a son of his i would say it wasn't it wasn't like a pressure situation um, yeah he just supported you guys by yeah. the sounds of it and what, what yeah. you wanted to do yeah but he still does have this kind of uh demands respect without even trying wherever he goes you know right. which i don't know that i have that it's just one of those you know certain people have that. yeah like one of those kind of <laughs> charisma slash aura yeah things going on so right so he just has one of those yeah yeah personas i would say yeah so you're getting into surfing you're starting to get better at it what, at what point did you did you i'm gonna say the three of you you know because yeah. you've always been a unit right right um what point did you start thinking 
yeah there's something in this you know we can we we can see a world beyond yeah like california and maybe we can <clears throat> pursue a career or a living mm-hmm. did, what what point did that i start would say happening? pretty early on in our late teens we're like all right we're we're gonna tr- we're gonna go for this we're gonna try to be professional surfers and at that stage there was like to us that just meant to be you know have surfboards and be able to travel like the financial part of it was nothing like we yeah. were just like if we can you know, surf more I, I don't think we had this like vision of of this of it turning into what it has for us you know kind of a life and a career beyond surfing yeah um, so the early days it was like yeah we want to be pro surfers and that, if that meant just having enough food on the table and enough surfboards to ride and then maybe some travel fun to go wherever we could go to you know surf some amazing waves yeah. so so it was very i think it was pretty short-sighted in the in the beginning yeah but so just fun hog <laughs> type of mentality yeah, of course yeah well you know early 20s that's what you want isn't it yeah you want to like go surfing yeah skating snowboarding whatever it is that's, yeah that's the motivation isn't it exactly you know. and then and then as and then as things progressed um i think my older brother chris was kind of instrumental in making good decisions for all three of us and keeping us on the right line and aligning us with the with the right you know sponsors or people that could continue to support us finding a direction yeah because in the early days what what careers would you have looked up to and and aspired to outside of surfing no in surfing you know what i mean like when you're like in this yeah. age like yeah. late teens 20s you know you're probably like you know reading every magazine watching every film yeah you're probably thinking like that guy's got it going on you know we should try and do that like w- was there anything like that was there anyone that you aspired like role models that you that you kind of thought that's something we could do Into, well i guess the lifestyle i mean really rather than actually like yeah. a surfer you know yeah well honestly one of the cool things that happened is my brother chris started working doing surf films and uh and and that seemed like hey you know this could be something that go could go beyond just surfing is is doing some film work you know and yeah okay i would say and I, and you know i don't know where chris came up with that but he he pretty early on made a movie called thicker than water yeah and it was well received and then so for me being the second oldest i was like wow well that's all that that could be something that we could continue to work on down the road um when surfing's not the number one priority you know so had he had any background in it before no right so he, he just, hadn't he, he hadn't just, he just always had a liking for it and always would try to have a camera rolling you yeah know, when it was the old vhs's or whatever sure. like he was very into shooting surfing and whatever else he, we you know always always had a camera in hand type of type of guy so you, and just completely self-taught just like yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna do that yep yeah yeah and and which is another thing that i wanted to ask you about because that seems another theme really for you lads like you know if you look at your career i'm gonna say yeah but you know like surfer director um there's a huge list and it seems that one of the things is that you you you're all pretty happy to throw yourselves at new challenges or experiences and 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 kind of just almost like work it out you know like that's where we want to get to we can do that let's just work out how you do it is that is that kind of fair to say yeah i I think so i think so um yeah it's always been a funny one to 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 uh explain 
my job description and what I do because it's a lot of different little things. What do you say if you if um, you if you meet it, somebody that you, that doesn't it, know anything about you? What's your line? At this point, I just say uh, filmmaker. Yeah, y- you know, easy one. <laughs> I have always had a hard time with, even when I was in the middle of my pro surfing career. If someone asked me what I did, and I I would hate to say a professional surfer. Yeah, yeah. Just because I just I've never heard of you. Yeah, yeah. I just, and I just do you it know just, Kelly Slayer? Yeah, it, and it just seemed like one of those things where. A lot of people might say that that weren't a professional surfer, so I, I didn't want people to think I was. It's just a funny yeah. job title. It's a bit like self-aggrandizing, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. So yeah. that was always a little bit challenging one. So I'm happy to say, film director. Now I usually I say I work for Patagonia and do a lot of things for them. And yeah, um, one of the main things we do is film, and that's usually what I say. Yeah, days. yeah. But you always had that willingness to experiment. I guess that's what I'm getting at. As as a, as a trio, you know, it was I, always like, yeah, we can, we can. Yeah. And I guess it was like, um, I felt, I think it was just like being caring and being involved with everything um, that surrounded us, you know? Yeah. Um, Wanting to give input and wanting to be a a part of, like when we went to Patagonia, it was the clothing, the surfboards, the wetsuits, you know, just the whole look of everything we were doing. We were like, we were very happy to dig our hands into all of it and any of it and to help shape it um creatively i think yeah i I think that's just like i don't know selfish instinct of ours i guess selfish (laughs) right you know you're like want it want it to be the way you want it maybe i don't know well it's just i guess it's you could call it selfish but if you've got (laughs) if you've got an idea if you've got a vision got an idea yeah and you and you know way of seeing it through then yeah it's a fine line isn't it yeah really between you know I don't know if selfish is quite the right word, but just eager. Yeah. You know, like yeah, eager. driven, driven, driven's, driven's yeah. better yeah. maybe. Yeah. Driven's less harsh. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> less self-judgmental. <laughs> yeah. So you, but you did get on the tour, obviously. Yes. yes. And you did. You know, how many years were you on the tour? So I, so I did, I did the um, qualifying tour for a long time, and then I finally qualified for the, for the tour, but then I broke my ankle. Right. Um, just before the start of the first year of the, you know, it was the WCT back then, no, sure. WSL. So then I kind of had to sit out the first event or two with the broken ankle, and then I ended up having, you know, not not a great year and not requalifying. But um, but it, it was also that tipping point for me where I was like, all right, you know what, I'm ready to kind of do the next thing. I feel and, right, and I just felt like I was. I was good and I won events, but I also wasn't, I wasn't the best competitively. And, you know, I, I, I knew that that wasn't somewhere where I could be happy and, and, um, to keep doing it. Right. And, and, and part of the reason was because I, I wasn't happy with the results I was getting all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's great when you're winning, but when you're doing average or losing, yeah, it's it's a tough environment, I imagine. Yeah. So I, I kind of realized I wasn't cut out to be a top. 10 surfer in the world and that was kind of easy for me to to be like okay I've, I've, I've gotten as far as I can get here and I'm gonna you know go on to do something else so you weren't bothered by that realization maybe that sounds like a strange question but no no you put that quite matter-of-factly because yeah. you know obviously you've worked your whole life as it were to uh-huh. get to this position and then that you know for a lot of people especially a lot of athletes that's a that's a big admission Oh yeah. You know? oh yeah. I mean, I, I remember making the decisions and then 
and then after after doing that for as long as I did, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Yeah, now? exactly. <laughs> so how, like, how old were you then? Um, how old was I then? So it was two thousand ish, two thousand one. So I must have been thirty. Is that right? Like I'm 44 now. So. You forget, I'm 42. You start forgetting, don't you? Yeah. So as soon as you go over 40, it's like I don't uh, even yeah. fucking know how old I am. So I was like 30, I think. Right. Something like that. So it's a real sort of crossroads, though, isn't it? Yeah. Are you? you no, I was a little younger, I think. Right. By the way, it's a point where you, you need to make a decision, right? So yeah. Yeah. No, it was a big deal for sure. I, 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 uh, I was 100% um, good with it, which was nice. I wasn't on the fence. But right. Then, but then, like, yeah. I mean, I had been for la- for the previous six years. I'd had a calendar of my schedule every year, what I was doing, and I had this challenge yeah. that I was, you know, excited about taking on. And then, so when you quit that competition, and you quit that whole scene, then it's and then you, yeah, you you got to figure, kind of reinvent what you want to do. And for me, at that point, I just wanted to travel to destinations and kind of. Um, go on surf adventures and find unsurfed waves so yeah. i had a pretty pretty nice thing to fall back onto that worked out well for me after but it was definitely a lot different than the competition you know did had to kind of rewire myself to to um change your pace yeah change your lifestyle exactly and did you did you get the support to do that straight away from from sponsors and, and industry i did already- i think i did i think um there was some people that were a little let down and wouldn't have liked to see me continue to compete. But then, but then I think that my brothers and I always had a little something um, that people saw in us that was not competition. So yeah. in ways, this thing that we talked about earlier, this this yeah. different association with surfing, it's yeah. always been there, right? Yeah, so, I think it's always been there. So yeah. it was kind of a a move that made sense in ways as well. Yeah, and is it does this sort of coincide with you know you said that the three of you were, th- were 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 thinking okay like what's the bigger picture? Right. Yeah. So is this kind of happening at the same time? Yeah, I think I think a few years after I quit the tour was when uh, when when we started like trying to figure out um, the next five years, the next ten years, and and where what direction we were going to go in and it yeah. wasn't long after that that the whole patagonia thing um came up yeah so the travel years let's call them um yeah you got around right uh yeah definitely yeah uh-huh. so what are some of those experiences that you look back on now because i mean yeah there's been there's been some pretty obscure trips right oh man some crazy crazy trips <clears throat> um i ended up i ended up going doing a lot of trips to the colder regions just because they're a lot of them were just completely unsurfed. Yeah. So um, I went up to Kamchatka, Russia, Iceland, Norway, a lot of trips to Alaska and Canada. Um, I kind of in, was attracted to those places for some reason. Um, I don't mind the cold, and um, I just felt like there's a, a little more adventure there. I was about to say. Did Beauty it- as well with the ocean and the orcas and the bears and camping out there there's some i just uh, rather than go to like super tropical destination yeah which i'd done a lot of um so so at that point i was really kind of excited to go to those far north or south destinations and see with it and it was kind of nice too because patagonia were making wetsuits 
and making suits for those harsh harsh conditions yeah um so kind of fit perfectly and also just with the gear at patagonia being able to utilize that the gear for those really cold conditions and test research and testing that stuff yeah just really made sense to go to those northern and or southern destinations yeah so you so it's became about again the, ex- the experience the wider experience like do you like having to work harder for it um i let's see do i like working harder for it i i i mean i appreciate definitely something that takes effort and at the end of the day you feel like you've accomplished something like so i guess so yeah i yeah. guess i guess so um um going up there going to those those destinations where no one's at it's kind of working harder for it but it's also uh, just a different experience of being on your own out there and not being in a crowded lineup or being away from a normal surf destination there's some aspect of that that i liked as well yeah are you still getting the chance to to travel as much as you'd like or have things changed now um because you're a dad now right yeah so i got two kids yeah um have been directing quite a few little things here and there so yeah um busy schedule busy schedule and i surf at home a lot um but i'm not dying to do the big surf trips like i used to you know yeah um but that's it's good i take my daughter surfing and when that certain surf trip does come up i'll i'll go and enjoy it um but i'm kind of happily in a little different stage of life yeah that's a nice balance yeah it to, is to have to have, you know Competed in your twenties, traveled in your thirties, yeah. a new a new decade now, yeah, and a new focus. Definitely happy yeah. with with where I'm at, and feel thankful, and and still get to get some great waves, and uh, that's it's, yeah, lucky. Yeah, so we should talk about your filmmaking. Yeah, it's obviously sure just another big part of of what you've been doing in the last few years. Yeah, was that around the same time as your brother? Then that you was that an influence? You thought, ah, maybe I could. Yeah. could start looking at this so so yeah chris started started with the filmmaking and at that stage i would just help him out you know like with whatever was going on he knew he could kind of lean on my brother dan and i to um help him whether it's carrying a tripod or giving um thoughts on something he wants to shoot so we were just very close to it all um when chris started doing it yeah and then um yeah, as time went on, we kind of, well, we continued to do that for a while, just kind of be around Chris's whole filmmaking scene. And then as time went on, eventually we started doing our own projects. Yeah. And I would say for me, the one that kind of makes sense in this whole story is I, I, the first one I did was a body surfing film. Yeah. And yeah, I was, I'll, I'll link to it in the in the in the website for yeah. sure so people can see it if they've not yeah um why did you choose body surfing so that's part of the story too is like yeah doing the surf competitions and being so like okay i gotta hit the lip 10 times on this wave yeah. or i gotta do all these maneuvers it was a really nice um getaway from from all that kind of hardcore surf surf slash ripping stuff and just body surfing just felt like such a pure way to ride waves and kind yeah. of did bring me back to that childhood feeling of just riding waves so so i got um i had the idea of doing a body surf film um at that point and uh that was kind of the first one i took on by myself without chris um and um yeah it was it was like a, it was a wonderful experience and 
um, felt like the film came out. I was proud of the film. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of kick-started me into the whole thing. But my brothers and I all, you know, we talk a lot, whether it's one of their projects or ours, or sometimes we work on things together. We're still very um, close and bounce ideas off each other and be like, yeah. hey, come in the editing bay here and watch this. Does this work? Does this work for you? Is this good? What yeah. should I change? So, so it's pretty neat that we all do that together. And the same, are you completely self-taught with the with the process of filmmaking? Yeah, I am self-taught, and and it's crazy because uh, it's like, um, I guess the experience of being just around it in the early days when the camera was on us helped us learn how the whole process worked. Yeah, and then, after the way that isn't it with athletes? Yeah, get the interest through through that right. experience, being on the other side. Yeah, being on the other side and kind of getting some experience that way and realizing what needs to come together to make you know yeah some beautiful imagery yeah and then uh and then the other part of it as a director uh i feel like you just got to be good at keeping your crew happy and and uh it's 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 interesting it's much more than just a creative idea it's like it's like coordinating this crew of people that you um want to put all your you know coordinating this crew of people to to get along and be happy and see your vision and then make it happen because the the, the cinematographers we work with are so amazing yeah like a lot of times people think i'm shooting all that stuff and i i have shot some of it but a lot of it most of it i it's not my actual shot yeah there's a great i think it's steven soderbergh quote which i'm probably going to mangle but I think it's something like a script is a collaborative note and if you're lucky everyone else will know how to read it which kind of goes to the same thing that you're saying about it's a group effort isn't it yes basically it's not and people do think that tend to think like it's the author kind of director thing with the vision don't they right so is that a big part of the the job basically keeping that vision yeah together across as many people as possible exactly yeah I mean, yeah, it's, it is about ha- having that vision and then manipulating everything else to kind of make it happen. Yeah. You know, and like, um, yeah. Can do, you, do you enjoy that? you enjoy that part of it? I do. It, it can definitely, uh, wrangling, be, it wrangling can definitely people. be stressful at times. Yeah. And um, um, it can be, can be stressful wrangling at all. And uh, sometimes I'm like, I'm not cut out the best for this kind of multitasking should we wait a second that's all right don't mind a bit of background noise sometimes i'm like oh man i'm not cut out for this kind of like crazy multitasking when shit's hitting the fan and you're trying to get it all done but yeah but it seems to get get, we get through it it's working yeah um and obviously it was fish people the last project that you completed fish people is the last big one i've completed yeah yeah um where did the idea come from? The idea for Fish People, um, it just came from, it came from basically my own personal experiences and wanting to kind of tell that story, but not through me, just through other people that I felt like had had these kind of life-changing experiences because of the ocean you know? yeah like i mean I'll, it seemed to me that the story was that obviously the common denominator is the ocean and that yeah. was almost the you know shit phrase but the star of it in a way you know right the, absolutely the, the relationship that people yeah very different people had with that you know, 
with the ocean basically yeah. is that yeah. what you were trying to get across definitely like like the you know the one thing that all six of these people had in common was their love for the ocean and for each of them to be able to tell the story of why and how it affected them and um i would definitely say yeah the ocean is is the star of the film <laughs> did you know each of the people in it i knew um i think i knew four of the six yeah yeah so we we had a pretty long list of people and um and um there was a there was a couple that i had never met before that we brought in but um the a handful of them were ones that we knew yeah, yeah. so who'd, who'd you bring in like so lynn cox was the um crazy story that crazy one. yeah ocean op- open ocean cold water swimmer yeah so on the barren strait right she did she's she it's pretty next she, level well another one is the um english channel i think she beat the men's and world record for the english channel when she was like 15. yeah yeah um, i really i really enjoyed her part of it for me that was an that was like um i was super excited to have her be a part of it because yeah. i felt like it was it fits so well, but it was very different than anything else um, in the film, you know? Yeah, completely. Yeah. Completely, because, you know, obviously, I guess most people that come to it are going to know Rasta, you know, probably know Kimmy. Right. Um, and there is, you know, in each of the stories, there's something that you can grasp onto and recognize. But that, yeah, that's definitely quite quite a little out of the distinct box. Right. little story, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So um, how, how scripted was, was the approach? Because I'm, I'm assuming that you, you know went into it with a with an idea of the story that you were going to try and get out of it are, yeah. are you quite structured or do you, do you prefer to let your subjects kind of help you as, yeah. as it goes i think you know picking the right characters took a lot of research and thought and then um and then as far as scripted you know um we definitely had a lot of ideas and things in mind for each character but then i really at the same time um, you know, it's a documentary style film, and I was, you know, I feel like a lot of it's just going to unfold. Yeah. Um, I was, I was talking with someone last night um, about scripted films, and that's, that's definitely out of my league. I'm, I, I, I feel like my strength would be t- telling stories as they happen, and it's quite you know, naturalistic. Yeah, and definitely picking subjects that are interesting and have a story to tell. But I just feel like. Um, definitely the films you know yeah, we make plans where we're going to be what we're going to do what we're going to talk about but i feel so much of it just comes to life naturally and i don't try to over script it that's for sure yeah so what's your next one can you can you talk about that presumably there's a, a plan on the go yeah i don't know <laughs> i actually don't know um would definitely be tempted to make another body surf film um i could definitely do another films similar to fish people involving people in the ocean you know and then i I have some other um little film ideas going on right now that are totally different like music and things like that oh really yeah as in explain that then what's that um just like little film uh little music series with with musicians and songwriters and things like that yeah that's something that you're interested in yeah definitely do you play yourself i do a little bit yeah right yeah so that'd be a natural thing to look at exactly right yeah that that sounds interesting yeah and uh what about away from the camera anything else going on in the near future um away from the camera my wife and kids and i we all we 
we live on a, on a ranch, um, so we have horses and and cows and pigs and chickens and all that stuff. So, so you're pretty busy. So that keeps <laughs> us busy, and uh, and I have a lot of fun um, riding horses back where we live and working with some of the old legendary ranchers out there and learning learning new skills. You know, like like I've been around horses my whole life, but I I still have a ton to learn. So I like that. Right. I like I like that learning curve of when you when you still have lots to learn. Yeah. It's there's something the payoff's kind of fun where with surfing I feel like I love it um but I don't get that that um kind of rush you get when you're like you get those days where you're like oh I did it twice as good today yeah. as yesterday and there's something about that. Yeah, sure. So yeah. you're finding that in in this this yeah. area. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And is that you know you're consciously looking back at your own childhood and thinking sure this is this is like a what we want to give to our kids as well i think so i mean um i think we just i would say my brothers and i had a really kind of diverse upbringing with living on a little little farm type uh situation with animals and just felt like it was a healthy way to grow up and and then just felt drawn back to it as i got older and then in turn it's giving my kids a similar type of upbringing yeah yeah nice and what are the brothers up to the brothers so dan is in tahiti with kimmy and mark healy on a spear fishing trip which is pretty cool i can't wait to hear how that goes yeah right and then chris is um he lives up by me in central california and um he's working on film projects as well um um and and he's up building a house. Right. Yeah. Nice. Up, up on a property up there. So that's keeping him busy as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, and do you think the three of you are always going to effectively be a package when it comes to the, the work that you do with, with I mean, surfing? And I think we, I think as far in the, in, in the surf world, I think we'll probably all, if we've stayed a package this long, we yeah, probably yeah. always will. I think, yeah. you know, that we're kind of, um, but I think at the same time in other as- aspects of life, we're all kind of you know going out into our own little branches of of what we like to do and yeah and, and that's healthy i think yeah well i got one more question for you yeah um which is a travel one actually yeah it's something i always like to ask people that have done as much traveling as you have like where where's left there's got where's be, left to go yeah for you where's there's got to be one one um, place you never made it to you know what um funny because when when the whole 180 south film went down i was actually not with the guys when they're at easter island so easter island's one that i want to go to that i haven't been to for sure and then um outside of that um i mean i would just say in general there's just places that still come up that are that are kind of unknown and special and and um those are the ones I'd probably like to go to, you know, like I don't have a list, but, um, but wherever I, could, I, I just for sure, for some reason at this stage in the game, going to the, the well-known surf, um, vacation areas is, is probably at the low end of the list. And yeah. any, anywhere we could go where like surfing's a part of it, but you're just seeing some amazing part of the world. Yeah. 
Well, we're going to surf Nuki later, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounds like. should be fun. Yeah, it's from one extreme to the other. Perfect, um, perfect. Nice one, Keith. Okay. Thanks, man. Pleasure talking to you. Appreciate it. Okay. So there you go. That was my episode with Keith. And like I say, afterwards, we went for a surf at Fistral, which was very good fun. Big thanks to Patagonia for hosting me down in Nuki, particularly Alex Weller, Yellen Mull and Louise Briley Ingham. Also want to thank my friend Neil Thompson for his hospitality during that trip. And as usual, it's great to catch up with a lot of people down there. Um, yeah, great episode, eh? Quote I always find fascinating is the old F. Scott Fitzgerald one about there being no second acts in American lives. That's actually why I called the John Boyer episode way back when the second act. But yeah, whenever I hear a story like Keith's with its constantly regenerating evolution, I'm always reminded of that quote. Now... As ever, if you enjoyed it, let me know by hitting me up at podcast.wearelookingsideways.com or head over to my social channels, which you can find at www.wearelookingsideways.com. So yeah, as I said at the top, housekeeping corner time. I've been doing some uh, chatting to brands and agencies, which as I said, I've been exploring on Instagram and uh, chatting about at the end of each episode recently. So yeah, I've got a few people pretty keen on getting involved in the podcast. So this little Patagonia trip was a bit of a road test for that one, really. Um, how did I do? Was it natural? The little chat at the start. I kind of think it's all right, isn't it? Let me know if you uh, have any great objections to that one. I mean, this gentle collaboration with Patagonia is really the mellowest form of uh, quid pro quo that you get when you work with brands. In this case, I got my travel and accommodation paid for. I got time to meet and surf with Keith and in return we uh, we included a little bit of Patagonia messaging in what I'd like to think was the mellowest and, and most natural sounding way possible. If you consume any form of media in the world, you're spoon fed stuff like this all day long. If it's done well, then hopefully it doesn't affect the editorial integrity and, a result, and as a result, your enjoyment in any way. So do let me know what you thought about that um, by hitting me up by one of the aforementioned channels. Um... I think I've talked about this before, but very briefly, again, I've turned down some more sponsorship recently of the buy this mattress. Honestly, they're dead good and I sleep on it myself, form of scripted local radio ad involvement. That's a lot of people I've been approached by now to do those type of ads. I also got approached by Audio Boom to go on their platform. One of the things that they kind of offer is is ad revenue. They, they pitch ads for you and yeah, I've, I think you're probably gathering. It's not for me that really... So I've turned those down yet again, which leaves a third way of doing it um, with a way that might lead to money and cash and all that and, and, you know, help me keep this thing going as I've been talking about. And that's the branded content route. And that's the one I'm probably the most interested in, really. I've had a couple of chats with people about this. One of the suggestions that came up was to gently use the bonus episodes that I do as a branded forum through which to tell certain subtle paid for brand stories a reference that came up a few times was kilometer zero which i'm not actually that familiar with i have, I have had a listen but it's the way that the guys behind the cycling podcast have got around it basically every every so often they do i i guess it'd be a bit similar to my bonus episodes that i do they'll do one of them where it's it's quite clearly branded and it's it's a story that they've agreed with the brand but told in in the same editorially sound way as the rest of the podcast so I mean I'm quite interested in that really I think if it's done creatively and and properly I'm not sure I really see that much of a problem with that um, another brand has asked me to do bespoke episodes for their internal use which is an interesting one which I quite like the sound of 
I mean, I think for me, ultimately, all this stuff's just a way of keeping the podcast the same, keeping the editorial integrity and making sure I can keep on doing it. And if I do work with a brand, it's done in a way that's as clean, creative and as elegant as possible, really. So, yeah, I just think it's interesting to be really transparent about all this rather than just take the mattress slash razor slash beer money, bang it on there and sort of fuck you lot, really. So, yeah, if you've got any feedback, let me know. Podcast at wearelookingsideways.com or do me a direct message on Instagram because that seems to be what a lot of people are doing right now. All right, that's it for me. Hope you enjoyed this one. Um, I am off to uh, get on with my day. Not a lot planned. Probably hang out with a new dog, do some work. So, yeah, nice one. (laughs) 